This week, I want to change the way you think about finding your perfect customer. As we always aim to make agents and entrepreneurs more profitable and productive by disrupting the way you think, today we're going to disrupt the way you think about finding your perfect customer. And for me, finding your perfect customer starts with knowing who that is. Yeah. The, the first step in, in working with the type of customer that you want to work with is getting really clear on what that person is. And, and the easiest way to do that um, is, is to actually do um, similar to like a missing persons report, okay. right? And when you see, if you go into the post office or you're walking out of Walmart, you always see those like posters about missing child, right? Or, or missing person, have you seen this person? And there are always a number of details about who they are, what their character traits are, um, age, height, weight, and my advice would be is to first create that sort of level of detail around the customer you're trying to attract so that you know how to shape the rest of your action steps okay. moving forward to finding your customer. So get, get really clear on the missing person or your ideal target. Absolutely. Um, you, it is so important who you are in business with. Um, there's some people that... Um, for example, you know, buyers or sellers of homes. Um, right now, it's a seller's market. So you want to get in a relationship with as many sellers as possible um, as the market shifts in that is currently in that state. So what I hear you saying is that you you need to find in our case in real estate, what you're looking for is um, sellers right now. Right. Right. Okay. So um, we know then that if if you're identifying your ideal client, that we can at least narrow the funnel down to sellers in this particular instance. And and that may not be narrow enough as we continue to think about building the perfect business, because yeah. um, from there, I think what we need to know next is is um, is like where tangibly does do those sellers right. live, right? right? We've got to narrow down the radius of where we're looking um, for the ideal customer. And in this particular instance, um, I think that in real estate, especially, we want to use data to narrow that down. Okay. Because like farming. That's right. That's right. And, and so um, what, in my opinion, when we've looked at all of the data, as far as narrowing down the, the target customer, what we're looking at is what's the turnover rate? Okay. Like how, how likely is it that someone in this particular location is going to sell their home based on historical averages? Right. And, and then um, what's the probability that we're going to sell their house right. based on neighborhood statistics? Right. And then what's the, um, what's the price point that maximizes or optimizes my income? Right. Okay. And so by looking at the data, I know, um, I, I can start to narrow down what's, uh, the highest, the highest turnover, the highest dollar per hour right. and the highest probability that I'm able to sell this. Yeah. I mean, it's just being surgical, um, with your business and then, and once you've identified that, it's just about mind share. Yeah. You know, yeah. just getting in front of those people enough times. So when they're making that decision, uh, in our case, uh, real estate, sell real estate, um, that you are uh, in the top of the mind uh, when they're ready to make that decision. So, 
So I think it's important though, when I, because I want to stay in this real estate space for just one second, because okay. I want people to understand that, um, that when I say highest price, that, that what I don't mean is the most expensive home. Okay. And the reason why I think that there's a blend of, of a few different metrics is because, um, you know, we, we would want to, in theory, if we're uh, approaching this concept of finding your ideal customer and, and really starting to um, target how to maximize your return on time, I need to look at every single, um, I need to look at the entire marketplace. Okay. So I'm going to look at like every house that's sold from $1 to $10 million in our market okay. and know that there are fewer $10 million homes right. sold every year than there are $300,000 homes. Right. And so while yes, I could potentially be one of the lucky $10 million sellers, that's not a predictable enough way to right. build a business. Right. right. And, and a lot of people get into real estate with the allure of selling luxury yeah. homes yeah. and the like yeah. sexiness of million dollar listing. And yet the reality is that there are far more people selling and buying two fifties, three fifties than there are 3.5 million. Uh, I, I call it fishing in the deepest part of the pond. Yeah. So where more people are, there's more people, there's more opportunities. And and for some reason, most real estate agents, when they get into the business, everybody has this, they they want to sell, you know, million dollar listings. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I could sell five, $200,000 homes in a weekend, but a million dollar homes is, doesn't happen for me, um, every, you know, every weekend. So- and so, and so when you look at knowing your business data, which in my opinion is the third um, key element of, of identifying your customer, what I heard you say is that um, million dollar homes don't sell every day. Right. And yet 300,000 or $200,000 homes do sell every day. And therefore um, the, the equation would be is how can you maximize your return on time by having the highest turnover rate of, of inventory? Right and the highest um, margins of revenue right. with that combination of, of turnover rate. So how do I maximize the amount of money that I bring in as many times as possible, the velocity of your income, and then um, and do that by knowing your data. And so once you then are able to target down the geography that you should be focusing on, now you have to position yourself as yeah. how do you become the person the expert. that that person needs to be working with? Yes. Why are you the answer to their problem? Um, yeah. And then that's, that's, again, I, I mentioned earlier market share. You have to, you have to present a value proposition. And I, I don't know if I've, I've done this um, when it comes to the, the market share. Once you've identified that it, I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling, but no. I had a, uh, uh, I'm putting together an Excel spreadsheet so that I can identify what zip codes that I'm actually, I'm actually serving the most so that I can be more surgical and strategic on, okay, if I'm selling in these areas, I need to start focusing on these areas. Right now, I sell such a broad uh, swath of, of areas that, um, I don't, I really don't know that. Yeah. So I want to get clear with that. So it's funny you brought that up. Yeah. So one of the, so I, I wrote down a couple of things that I think that, um, when you were looking at positioning, I look at positioning from a, from an approach of what is, what is it that the customer uh, really is a series of questions, but what is the customer thinking? 
Like, okay. what is my target market thinking right now? Okay. What are they feeling right now? Okay. What do they need to think? What do they need to feel? What do they need to know in order to know that I'm the answer to their problem? Okay. And so I'm putting myself in the position of my target customer that says, okay, um, now that I've identified who that, um, who that prospect is, right. now can I think like them, act like them, know like them in order to uh, create a message that gets a response? That's it. You have to then craft that message. We talk about, you know, I'm, I do a lot of first time home buyers. They're paying, stop paying rent. You make that message over and over again. Now I'm the expert as it relates to that. So then you have to craft a message that resonates with that buyer demographic that you aspire to. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you, there, there are so many ways And this, this works not just for um, home buyers and home sellers. Of course it works for, you know, whatever your target market is, is there you're, you're working through a series of, of questions in putting yourself in the perspective of the consumer and, and what you're looking for is, is why are you different? Yeah. But different doesn't necessarily mean better. You're looking for why are you different as why is your solution to my problem or to my pain the answer that I should actually be seeking? Because some headaches need Advil and some headaches um, need Vicodin. Yeah. And why are you the better option than what everyone else? Why are you the Vicodin when everyone else is peddling Tylenol as the solution for the problem? Well, you have to be able to be clear on what it is that makes you different. And then one thing that really, would be really good is if you have clients that sing your praises, you can then have client testimonials, then, you know, bolster what it is that you've done for them. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because the next thing that I wrote down was to build advocates. Yeah. Is to build a network of those that are raving fans that, um, that can get you leveraged into the homes that you're, that you're seeking or into the network of the customer that you're looking to do business with. And, and you can look at it several ways. I mean, you can see that in real estate that could be past clients or it could be influencers. Yeah. It could be someone who has the ability to multiply your reach. So, um, you know, I was having a conversation with, um, I'm, I'm about to name drop. Sorry. I was having a conversation with, with Gary Keller, what would have been a few months ago. And, and I was telling him about what our approach was to the, the pandemic at the time and, and talking about how we were starting to really separate the influencer and multiplier market for, um, how we wanted to generate listings. And, um, and, and it was neat to see that our thought process and our business model was in alignment with, with what he agreed on. And one of the stories that he told me was that um, Joe Williams, the co-founder of Keller Williams, um, started his business with Gary um, by getting multiply your business from a judge in Austin, Texas. Okay. And so one of the judges in, in Texas <clears throat> used to give Joe his divorce business. Uh, and so he became the referral source of multiple transactions annually. Um, and so that could be one of your resources or one of the partnerships that you build by having a relationship with someone who's able to give you more than one transaction right. with sellers. Yeah. And yet most of the time what we think about though is playing hand to hand one on one combat. Yeah. Instead yeah. you could really walk in and get flamethrower style approach of, one person 
selling to many. Yeah, what well, could be really business to business multiplication through selling real estate. Accountants. That's right. Attorneys. Um, just as if you have a relationship with those guys, just let them know what you're doing. And then it has to reciprocate. I mean, if you, uh, if you have business and you want, you want to be like a center, like a center of a, of a sphere. And so then it's all, all reciprocating. And another thing you can do is you have continual like meetings and you want to nurture that relationship. So I, so I have follow-up then as actually as the last thing that you would do. And by follow-up, um, I think you've categorized it better, which is really nurture, yeah. nurture and build relationships. And because um, in this in this cycle of targeting your ideal customer, you do have to maintain that relationship and you do have to like every other relationship is you have to bring value. Right. Yeah. Value is um, the currency of the relationship. And so when you've identified your target customer and you've identified how you're going to work with multipliers or with partnerships, then then it's always remembering to uh, bring them value as someone who's an important influence in your business success. And and when I say that, what would be something that comes to mind as far as in 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 real estate, especially that you could give value to someone in a reciprocal manner? Like you mentioned attorneys, accountants, it could be home builders. Yeah. Home builders, uh, insurance agents. So you may have an, an insurance, you know, we're, we're in real estate. So if you ever have someone in, in need, more lenders, yeah, you, your lender partners, they often get um, people pre-approved that aren't being represented by an agent. Um, so being able to have conversation with lender partners on, you know, business reciprocating as well. Yeah, I think this is important to, um, to think about when you're an entrepreneur, there are oftentimes a lot of people waiting for a handout. Yeah. There are plenty of people who are used to taking order. You, they're used to taking orders from you. Um, and yet in order for it to be an equitable relationship, both sides need to be giving and taking. And so many times there, especially as real estate agents, there are a lot of people just waiting with a handout um, no. to give them business. Yeah. And very rarely is that a two way equitable relationship. And so for us, what we do, one of the things is we track anywhere that we send business yeah. so that we can measure, um, where we're spending or investing our relationship capital to ensure that we're getting equitable ROI with the relationships that we have, because, um, at a certain point, you have to build a sustainable business model where you're getting equity in return for for you being the center of influence for your customers. Yeah. So if your if your title company is not um, referring you business, and by business it doesn't have to necessarily be a person; it needs to be something of value. So right. it might be talent, it might be resources, knowledge, information, it might be um, sponsorships, it might be um, preferential uh treatment for some additional customer service item but it has to be a delivery of two-way value especially when you're the center of influence as an entrepreneur and i think oftentimes um, a lot of people wait with their handout yeah and don't give you that uh that return of value back and we don't as as entrepreneurs to be honest with you we don't ask for it yeah that's right that's right. <laughs> and that's because a lot of times we fail to have account uh, accountability around our accounting. Yeah. You know, r- very rarely do 
do I talk with someone who knows um, down to the down to the penny how many dollars were referred to mortgage companies and what the loan balance for every person that was distributed out this year is, right. or how many home warranty companies they have they referred different transactions or different warranties and what the amount was. And so when we don't have any um, accountability to the accounting that we're giving out, it's very hard to have a numbers-based, non-emotional conversation about value with someone. Yeah. You don't even know what That's value right. you're adding to that person in order to come back and say, hey, this is this is a one-way street here. You know, why don't we, we can kind of come together and we can help each other out? Yeah, that's right. So And so in order to kind of tie a bow on this, when, when we think about I, identifying and targeting your ideal customer, um, we kind of broke it into a few different bullet points. Was first, we have to get really clear on who it is you want to do business with. Surgical, and yeah. and you have to you have to identify really all of the details or as many details as you can about who the person is. So, you know, kind of use the analogy of that missing persons report. Yeah. When you're when you're leaving Walmart, you see them posted on the. Uh, in, in the case for the missing child, right? It's like an Amber Alert for your customers. Yes. You need to then discover where they live and know the data around your business. Because when you know who your customer is, how can you further target them and know the numbers that uh, that pertain just to ensure that you're actually going after the right customer demographic? Right. Because you can, you can want to work with um, NBA players as your target market. But if you're in a city where there's very little MBA turnover or there's, you know, three MBA trans transactions a year, probably not the ideal target market to build a sustainable business around. So you have to know who the customer is and the data around them. And then you have to position yourself as the answer to the problem and then target your market directly to them as why your ability to solve their pain is different and build relationships and then follow up and nurture that relationship. That's it. And yet we make it much more complex than it really is. We absolutely do. Um, and by you breaking it down in such clarity, um, I, I'm gonna, I, I love these podcasts. I love going back and listening to them because I feel like I can sharpen my knife as it relates to this, as it relates to this. So I absolutely agree with every point of those. So what do you think holds people back then or holds you back at times in, in like when we know that they're not actually as complex or um as it to me it's it's very simple we add additional complexity or we cloud it thinking that it should actually be harder than it is um what do you think holds you back besides the complexity or lack of clarity well those two i think the lack of clarity was was, is the biggest thing I, i also think that a lot of people um have a false idea of what the job is so for example if I want to farm a particular neighborhood, they don't have the stick to itive enough ness yeah. enough to stick to it. They they do one door knock. They'll door knock a neighborhood. Nothing happens. They don't go back and door knock the neighborhood again. They don't go back and door knock the neighborhood again. It's a numbers game. So then once you've done that, or I say door knock, flyers, Facebook, any of those activities. You do. You can't just do it one time. You have to stick to it, and then you you have to measure. So then, okay, I do this, and I've done this x amount of times. 
how many times do I need to do this, this activity in order to set an appointment? And how many times, how many appointments do I need to set in order to write a contract? So a lot of people aren't as, um, I'm, I'm, I have spreadsheets for all that stuff so I can kind of track it, but I don't think a lot of people do that. No, of course not. So course I think not. that that's, uh, once you get clarity around your numbers, now my job is I just got to knock on X amount of doors and I already know I got an appointment. And if I set this amount of appointments, I know I'm going to write this amount of contracts. So now as I'm doing that activity, it becomes less of a burden because all I know is I got to get to that magic number. So, so, you know, I wrote in listening to you that consistency always out earns intensity. Totally. You could be a trash agent and literally just be consistent and you're going to close business. Absolutely. So yeah, I totally agree with that. And then the, you need to have accountability around your accounting. And what you said was just know your numbers. Yeah. Is know, know your numbers and track your numbers. And that's, um, for me, that is, I, I know that to be true. And yet that's not something that I enjoy. It's not my natural no. um, position to go and, and track everything, right? Like mm-hmm. I am, I am naturally someone who does um, sales and therefore, Uh, I'm not the person who's wildly proficient at tracking numbers. And so there has to be a system for um, enabling human behavior that to reduce the friction around tracking. So if it's a spreadsheet for you, awesome. If it's an app that you track them on, if it's a widget that's on the home screen of your phone, something that reduces the friction around tracking your numbers so that you can um, increase the accountability around your accounting and know am I getting better or worse? Yeah. Do I need to go on more appointments or do I need to say messages that appeal to uh, my target audience better? Right. Yeah. And so then, you know, as you, okay, if I have to sharpen my message on, on what that is and that's not working, you can then pivot. That's right. So, um, yeah, I totally, I love the clarity and bringing it, bringing it down to the basics, but, Every week we say something and it tacks back to the week prior or a couple weeks. Consistency, consistency, doing activity. And then it's like shooting free throws. If you're an athlete um, and you um, you're a basketball player, nobody likes after practice shooting free throws, shooting free throws after practice for an hour. Um, But by doing that, you have muscle memory. You now, before that ball leaves your hand, you know whether it's going in or not. And the more activities that you do, the better muscle memory, and then the better you get at the job. Yeah, you're defaulting back to your lowest level of competency, right? Which is that in a pressure situation that you subconsciously know how to shoot free throws because you've shot them time after time after time to a point where you can do that without thinking hard about it. And and that really is the, the point of, having a consistent business that consistently displays the best behaviors. Yeah. And most of us fight that most people fight that we talked about it on our energy podcast is that oftentimes without the, without the systems and the bumpers in place, we gravitate by human nature towards chaos and the consistency is actually um, the name of the game. And so when we look at um, finding your ideal customer, Um, it's first getting really clear on who it is and then narrowing down the data, building the relationship and having a message that targets them specifically for the pain that they're seeking and then treating it consistently over and over and over so that when, 
when the time is right, the person that they think of is you and your business. Yeah. And it is, it is, we could get really tactical and really highly specific. And yet the reality of it is, is that you can do it several different ways. Yeah. You could do it mailing, you could do it knocking, you could do it calling, you could do digital open houses. Do it's the same thing. It, that's right. <laughs> do, do what, do in my, in my, what I found in coaching other agents and in having agents, um, find success in, on our team is that all of them work and none of them work. Yeah. And, and the reason why all of them work is, is because if that's your personality trait and what that's you excel at, yep. then do that. If it doesn't work, that may not work for you. The, the medium that you're communicating yeah. through may not work if you're consistent about it. And yeah. so, um, so all of them work and none of them work. It's a matter of whether you're willing to put in the time consistently in order to generate the outcome. That's it. And yet you look in the MLS and very, very rarely are there, um, great listing agents. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's, what's befuddling to me. I do not understand why there are very few agents who sell an overwhelming amount of the homes because it is, it is not as complex as we make it out to be. Uh, I think it's partly because it is easy to find buyers. It takes yeah. a different methodical and systematic approach to finding sellers that most people just default to that. Whatever's easy is yeah. finding buyers. And yet it's actually much easier. Once we find sellers, it becomes easier. Yeah. We actually get control of our life because we have control around who we work with and when we work with them. Yeah. And the time. Yeah. That's you right. can, you can, you're not, I mean, I'm showing houses with buyers seven, eight, <laughs> eight o'clock at night and you know so with listings you're there and then what happens is other real estate agents then work for you that's right that's right so yeah yeah and so um being intentional around how we generate that business is is what allows us to live an intentional life and it's all by having consistency over intensity yeah cool